The opinions you're about to hear belong to the people expressing them and are not necessarily shared with the Cortez Radio Society, its board, staff, membership, or volunteers. If you could talk to me, what news would you bring of voices in the sky? You're listening to Cortez Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM, and this is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. When you talk about Cortez Island's population, most of us think of humans, but there are a lot more birds. The Cortez Museum has been taking an annual bird count since 2001. There were 38 participants this year. Most of them were in five groups that were assigned specific routes. But there was also a number of people who reported the number of birds that visited feeders or parts of the island that were not on the regular routes. They counted 3,149 birds from 65 species, which is about average. There are three times as many birds as humans on the island this time of year. When I asked to interview someone about the count, the museum suggested I contact Laurel Bohart, who led the team in Squirrel Cove. The reason we do a winter bird count is because these are residents, and this gives us a more accurate understanding and idea of the resident bird populations. What we did see, which was a record, and I didn't see it, but this was seen at the south end near the Mansons area and near Hollyhock was Greater Yellow Legs, which is a shorebird uh, related to gulls in the same order. And they're very rare. They shouldn't even be here. So that was one thing we did see. Occasionally in summertime we see, for instance, I spotted a palm warbler in Mansons this summer. And they're not here. Those are eastern birds. They're never here. But we get strays every year, and we also get birds we think we should see but don't. It's quite common. And in order to keep a tally of birds across North America, because this is North America-wide, it's actually worldwide, but there's different organizations that do this. We do this every year to help see which varieties, which species are increasing, which are decreasing. Is this due to habitat loss? Is it due to human encroachment? Um, there's so many variables. We're trying to keep a steady note of what we see and what we don't see. That way, we have a better understanding and more data for scientists to use to crunch the numbers. Looking back over the bird counts, what changes have you seen since the beginning? We've counted fewer owls and fewer hawks, definitely. Uh, we used to see more Cooper's hawks, more sharp-shinned hawks, red-held hawks, the occasional goshawk. didn't see a single goshawk this year. Last year, I think we did. Owls, I don't know if anyone even heard a barred owl this year. And there's been fewer geese. Everyone's been counting fewer geese. That's the Canada geese. In the areas they've been congregating, they're still here. But over the years, I've noticed there's been fewer geese in Squirrel Cove, fewer geese at Linnea Farm, fewer geese at the Ellingson Farm, down in Willtown on Dave Robertson's place, and there's been a fair number. 
At Reef Point Farm, there's still a fair number, but there are fewer. And that's because of the egg candling and egg of uh, the egg shaking program on the on Vancouver Island. Because of the large numbers of, of the large Canada geese, that's the greater Canada, which were actually introduced for hunting in the 1960s. I'm sorry, shaking eggs? Yeah, they're, they're coddling, addling the eggs. So you pick up an egg and give it a few good shakes, and that separates the yolk from the white. And so the embryo can't form, which means fewer eggs are hatched. Because they've been shaking eggs in order to reduce the goose population, there's fewer geese. And so fewer geese on golf courses and fewer geese on farms, etc. Also, if there's increased predation by eagles, there's fewer goslings. And because of a large eagle population and fewer fish, then the eagles are looking for other sources of food, and goslings and ducklings are very vulnerable to that. Also, they're vulnerable to being swallowed by otters and seals and mink. What is the avian population of Cortez? Well, probably 3,000. It could be. Every single person on the island would have to be learned in birds and observe all year round to be sure how many we had here. And even then, we wouldn't be able to find everybody because very few people live up on Cliff Peak, for instance. And how about um, Bullock Bluffs? I mean, there's birds up there that nobody sees. So what we're doing is the best we can in the populated areas, but we can't go up and survey the rest. So 3,000 might actually be a very low estimate. What are the main species? Well, in summer, the main species are robins, American robins, cowbirds, which are increasing. We have warblers, we have um, black-headed grosbeaks, we don't really have many varied thrushes, but we do in summer. But we do have swainsons and hermit thrushes, so we have quite a few of those. Sparrows, uh, white crowned sparrows, golden crowned sparrows, song sparrows, fox sparrows, towhees, um, and the usual crows and ravens. But in summer, we also, of course, have the other migratory birds like um, the warblers and flycatchers and vireos. Um, Year-round, we have chestnut-backed chickadees and ruby-crowned kinglets, nuthatches, golden-crowned kinglets, um, sapsuckers, um, pileated woodpeckers, hairy woodpeckers. <laughs> um, a lot of these species stay, and a lot don't. The warblers are migrating, the war vireos migrate. Some, I believe, the Hammond's vireo stays here year-round. Tell me some stories about the species that are here. For example, I understand we have a problem with cowbirds. Yeah, I hate cowbirds. Cowbirds are parasites. They're adapted to grasslands, and they come from farther east, the prairies and farther south, uh, from Washington State. But their habitat, and they're adapted to uh, moving with, uh, originally with deer, elk, and um, bison on the, on the Great Plains in the fields. And they're adapted to eating insects that these um, ungulates stir up. So they do the same thing with deer. They're also adapted to everyone's backyard. So everywhere you've got grass and a lawn, you're going to have cowbirds. And the problem with cowbirds is they're parasites. 
and they fulfill the same function that the cuckoo does on the old world. Our North American cuckoos lay their own eggs in their own nests. The old world cuckoo lays its eggs in other birds' nests. The cowbird has the same function here. Unfortunately, they are targeting um, the warblers, vireos, smaller sparrows, flycatchers, and birds like that, which are declining rapidly due to habitat loss. And so every hen cowbird, which looks like a brown sparrow, they're not very big, they're maybe six inches long at the most. The male is black with a brown head, iridescent black, beautiful bird, and they absolutely love your feeders. So what they do is they fill up on your feeders, and the hen always has two males with her, and she goes off to the surrounding area around the feeders. So what they'll do is, if there's any nesting songbirds, for instance, vireos and warblers nesting in the area around a clearing, where you have your own homestead and bird feeders, they will lay an egg in a nest. And that egg hatches, it's usually one egg per nest, because they don't want competition. And the hen lays a slightly larger egg than, say, the mother warbler. Okay, let's say it's um, a vireo. Because my experience, personally, was watching a female vireo raise a baby cowbird. I didn't know at the time what the bird was. But that was the only baby that came out of that nest. And when it flew out, it impacted one of our windows and died. So I picked it up, and it had no tail. And normally, of course, a bird has to have a tail to uh, maneuver. But this bird was so big and had stuffed itself so well into this tiny little vireo nest that it had never developed tail feathers. So it couldn't steer. So that's why I learned firsthand when I identified the baby that it was a cowbird and read up about cowbirds, realized that they're going to be, and they are now, um, endangering our vireo and warbler populations, and probably the wrens, and probably the sparrows, and the swallows, and all the other birds slightly smaller than themselves. What happens is a baby cowbird hatches first, and it puts its head down and its wings out, and shovels the other eggs over the edge of the nest and drops them on the ground where they shatter. So that makes it the only baby in the nest. It gets all the food. If somehow a baby manages to hatch, a smaller one, uh, a warbler or vireo baby, that nestling starves because it can't compete with the bigger cowbird because the vireos and warblers and other passerines like them, the largest baby usually gets the most food because the mother sees that mouth rather than the others, which is another reason why if you're building a swallow nest, you need to make a wider slot than just a round hole so that more than one baby can get its head out at a time. So everybody gets fed by mom and dad, and not just the largest. Tell me about some more species. Like, are barn swallows disappearing? Yes, barn swallows are disappearing, and that's due to the loss of barns, habitat for nesting. There are barn swallow nests at Blue Jay Lake Farm and various other places on the island. Alenia Educational Center of the Farm, the barn has them there. Uh, I've seen the nests. Um, but because of insecticide and loss uh, fewer insects, because of insecticide use, and because of predation by cowbirds, and because of predation by, say, merlins, which are small falcons, but you can catch swallows, and 
cats, etc. There are fewer barn swallows. But again, there's fewer barns. And as human beings, our population has encroached into rural areas and land has been bought up for houses, there are fewer places for the swallows to nest, therefore less habitat. And so the numbers are falling. Another species that's disappearing. Olive-sided flycatchers are a medium-sized flycatcher which prefers old-growth forest. And because our old-growth forest is being cut down on Vancouver Island especially, there's far fewer of them. The cut block behind our place in Squirrel Cove was originally logged, I think, by Macmillan Bloedel and then Island Timberlands, which is with Timber West become Mosaic. They were going to go in there and cut down the rest of the trees, which are uh, 60 to 80 years old, and keeping an eye on the older growth forest, which is two or 300 years old. And we managed to successfully stop them because Basel Creek has five water licenses on it, and they could not absolutely guarantee that cutting as close to the Basel Creek wetland as they were going to was not going to guarantee any spillage of oil or of other fuel into the water. That was the only reason they stopped. So habitat loss is caused by us. And if we have fewer olive-sided flycatchers, well, we need to stop cutting down trees. Olive-sided flycatchers have an interesting sound. It sounds a bit like quick three beers. So if you hear that whee, whee, whee sound, that's probably an olive-sided flycatcher. They're hard to spot, but once you see them, you never forget them. Tell me about why the heron numbers are going down. Eagles eat herons. And in competition for the same food, which is a midshipman, a small fish. And up and down the coast, um, because human beings have decimated the herring fishery, the salmon fishery, etc., etc., um, our eagles are hungrier than they were. There's fewer ducks now. So uh, they're in fiercer competition with herons. And they've been killing destroying the nests, throwing down the eggs, and killing the chicks, and also predating and eating herons. So the adult male heron in the Natural History Exhibit at Linnea Educational Center, was an a- it's, it was predated by an eagle. When I worked on it, I realized the eagle's talons had gone into the area of the kidneys and the area of the lungs, so both sets of talons. The eagle had squeezed and dropped the bird. And the bird fell, staggered around, and eventually was found dead. We're seeing very, very few immature herons. And in fact, if anybody does see one, please let the museum know. Because we're keeping, or Sabina Leader Mentz, we're keeping an eye on how many heron, young heron chicks are surviving. Herons, if they build a nest, build nests around eagle nests, then the eagles are much more likely to attack and destroy the young ones because they're in competition for the same food. Do they eat them or do they just kill them? Some young herons have been found partially eaten and others have been found without being touched. Tell me about uh, some bird species that their numbers are increasing on Cortez. Cowbird species is increasing extremely fast. Ravens are also increasing. 
Well, for one thing, we have a garbage dump. They enjoy that. And they're scavengers. Anytime there's a dead deer on the road, they're usually the first there. And because of the sharpness of the beaks, like a pair of scissors, they're able to remove eyes and the anal area of the animal so that, for instance, the eagles and vultures can get in. And if there's more roadkill and more, if there's more garbage and there's more, um, well, for instance, uh, dead rats, if you're catching rats and throwing them in the bush, they'll eat them. If you are finding, I think, it's not just garbage, it's also um, compost heaps and things like that. So they're feeding whatever they can find. So they are increasing, but most other species are declining a little or their numbers are fluctuating. A great deal depends on bird feeders. So if, for instance, house finches and purple finches are becoming more common because they're, they're almost dependent on being fed year-round on bird feeders. So if you have a bird feeder year-round, you're going to have song sparrows, house finches, lots of juncos. In summertime, the juncos and the sparrows have headed into the hills to nest. But you usually find cowbirds and, and the house finches and purple finches on a feeder all summer. Oh, and the jays too. Jays are also increasing. But they're increasing because of our walnut trees and our hazel trees and the berry trees that we've... Um, and apple trees and all the other food sources that we've made ourselves. Is there any species that has become more abundant because of bird feeders? Yes, and that would be the Anna's hummingbird. Uh, the Anna's hummingbird is now here on Cortez year-round in coastal areas. And where I live in Squirrel Cove, we only saw them for the first time last year. We usually have rufous hummingbirds. So this time we've kept the bird feeders up all year, and we've had, and in snow, I had a humming, Anna's hummingbird snow bathing and fly catching in the snow. We have three feeders up, and we have probably half a dozen birds coming, males and females. Apparently they nest from December to May, and they avoid the rufous hummingbirds that way. Rufous hummers will show up end of April, beginning of May, and take over, and then when they're done um, early August, the youngsters, and I believe adults, will also fly to the Rocky Mountains east of us, and they go along the Rockies heading south. The reason they do this is because the flowers that were in our gardens in spring are now on the mountains in late summer because it takes longer for the mountains to flower than it does for the lowlands to flower. So the rufous being as numerous and as aggressive as they are, they drive the Anna's hummingbirds off. But this is the first year that I've actually seen Anna's in numbers at our place, in Squirrel Cove, up from the water. They started coming to, as I believe, 40 years ago, they started coming to Victoria, and now they've worked their way farther north, and they're probably all the way to Port Hardy, as far as I know. Why did they start appearing 40 years ago? Well, they expanded because of, well, um, because we put up bird feeders. We put out bird feeders up and down the coast. And the more people put out um, hummingbird feeders, the more hummingbirds you get. What about the disappearance of uh, certain species of owls? Or, pardon me, the l less numbers. I shouldn't say disappearance. 
Well, that also can depend on the year and um, when we're counting them or noticing them, they may not be as abundant. We may not think so. They may not be making much sound or moving around a great deal. So in a bird count, if it's raining, for instance, you probably won't see owls and they won't be making any sound. If it's warmer in spring, especially with barred owls who start moving around and they start making their distinctive um, owl calls, and that's when you notice them. Other owls like the sawets and um, pygmy owls are very hard to spot, but sometimes they have a certain sound. For instance, that's the sound the owl will make, and one of those is a sawwet, and the other one is a pygmy owl, and don't ask me which. Normally, we hear some owls around here. I haven't heard any this year. Well, we had barred owls at our place this year, but they move around. What they're doing is barred owls eat uh, rats and mice and, and fledglings, for instance, robins, which is why the robins mob them. Not last year, but... The year before, I watched a pair of barred owls, male and female, right beside a robin's nest, right on my driveway, where the robin had built its nest in a very obvious area. And there was a fledgling on the ground, and the robins were making their usual shrieking noise. And the owls simply disregarded them and disregarded me and kept an eye on that fledgling until I had gone and they had gotten the fledgling. They ate every single one of those babies. This year, they've moved on. I heard them calling earlier in the woods, and but they've moved on to a different nest area and different habitat. And what I'm assuming they're doing is they're cleaning out an area of its small wildlife to feed their youngsters. Then they go and nest somewhere else in a different spot. And that allows the previous year's victims to increase. Then they'll come back later and um, take over that spot. Can you point to any species and say their increase or decrease is climate change? I'd have to think about that. I'm fairly sure we're losing uh, not so many species, but numbers among the species, um, especially warblers and vireos and all those little insect eaters because we're losing insects. And that maybe is due to climate change, but it's also due to our own habits of using pesticides, which we need to stop doing. So if climate change, to me, it's not just one factor. There's a great many other factors in our changing world. And the climate's just one of them. It's mostly, the, the issue that's mostly changing the bird populations is the human population. Now, what did you learn from this year's bird count? Um, what did I learn? It's always best to take a newbie with you because they, they may spot something you don't and ask questions that make you think and make you maybe rethink how you're doing something. Well, it turns out this novice, Donna Collins, has very sharp eyes and also excellent recorder since she's the museum secretary now and... She's extremely precise, and that really helped because she was able to remember and remind me of things I might have forgotten. And so the count was a lot more accurate than it might have been. It was just Tom and I doing it because 
then we would have to go through everything and remember what we did see. <laughs> but also, um, she kept me explaining which bird was which and how you could tell the field signs and the sounds they were making or weren't making and what we expected to see and which species I thought we might see and didn't. And it was, so it was very, very interesting. For instance, the Cooper's hawk. I didn't see that. If it hadn't been for her, we would have missed that. It was the only Cooper's hawk on the count. She noticed the different gulls. I was able to explain the field signs between California gulls, their size, which is smaller than a heron or herring gull or a Sarah's gull, and she noticed that. And so I was explaining differences in sizes, eye color and beak color, foot color, things like that, so that she could um, have a better idea. And so she was pointing at various birds, and especially the ones at Seaford. What is that bird? And we were plodding along looking at this, and um, we were also looking, of course, at habitat, where things were, where they weren't. And I was explaining to her which birds you might see in the forest, which birds you might see on the water, which birds you might see in the seashore, and how come we have starlings in areas where there's grassland, for instance, lawns? How come we have crows with people rather than on the beach? And why on earth the silly ravens have never figured out how to pick up a clam in their beaks and drop it the way a crow does. I think that would make sense. So just talking bird behavior and how you notice birds and field signs and what to look for in various species. Now there's a lot of talk about climate change and how that's changing the animal population. Can you point to any species and say their increase or decrease is climate change? I'd have to think about that. Right now, I can't be sure, except I'm fairly sure we're losing not so many species, but numbers among the species, especially warblers and vireos, and all those little insect eaters, because we're losing insects. And that maybe is due to climate change, but it's also due to our own habits of using pesticides, which we need to stop doing. So if climate change to me, it's not just one factor. There's a great many other factors in our changing world. And the climate's just one of them. It's mostly, the, the issue that's mostly changing bird populations is the human population. You've been listening to an interview with Laurel Bohart about the bird census on Cortez Island. This program was funded by a grant from the Community Radio Fund of Canada and the Government of Canada's Local Journalism Initiative. I am Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye. Bluebird flying high Tell me what you sing If you could talk to me What news would you bring A voice